Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This week it's episode 221 and we're talking about volunteering in Chile with English Open Stores. But before we get on to that, uh, what's been happening for us this week? Well, not a lot really. I've been working. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so have I. So Linda's been teaching and I've been behind the uh, behind the computer. Last weekend we did get out to one of Auckland's big Christmas celebrations though called Christmas in the Park. Yeah, that was fun. We started the day with the 30th birthday party in the Pinell Rose Gardens, which was really nice. Our friend Graham was turning 30. He was our best man actually, so we've known him forever. And um, yeah, he had like champagne and his mum had cake and it was brilliant. And then later in the day, we went to the Auckland Domain, which is a huge park in central Auckland. And um, yeah, we met up with some friends and, and watched the show. Unfortunately, it had been raining during the day, so there wasn't as big a turnout as usual. And I don't know, I thought the program wasn't as good as previous years. It's interesting. They've changed it a lot. Instead of being focused on Christmas carols and that kind of communal singing thing, they've made it much more of an entertainment show. Well, I think this year they had the first half of the show was all Christmas carols. And, you know, they were encouraging you to sing, but no one was warmed up. And then there was an interval. And then they went back and it was all, you know, more of an entertainment show, which is a pity because it would have been nice at the end to have maybe four or five Christmas carols where everyone joined in. Because by that point... Everyone was into it. Yeah. I mean, they played YMCA, for goodness sake, and everyone was up doing the actions, and that was really fun. But, um, yeah, all the Christmas carols were at the beginning when no one really cared. Yeah, it was kind of backwards, eh? Yeah, I think so. Well, um, the weather here in Auckland's been terrible, so apologies to anyone visiting. But yeah. if you are passing through Auckland in the next couple of months, uh, do let us know. We'd love to meet up. Yeah, it'd be great. Remember that you can help the Indie Travel Podcast stay travelling by booking through us. So visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash flights slash hostels and slash insurance when you're booking your travel online. Also visit our day tour page at slash tours and uh, the travel deals at slash deals. When you're shopping online, uh, you can visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash Amazon to uh, help us out with a small commission on that. Or IndieTravelPodcast.com slash audiobook will allow you to sign up for a free trial of Audible.com and get a free audiobook to keep, even if you uh, cancel out of the free package. I've just finished reading the Hunger Games series, uh, books one, two, and three. Um, the first one is about to come out as a uh, as a movie, I think, over this this winter, summer <laughs> Depends on what hemisphere you're in. Um, but the <laughs> audiobooks are really well read and the story is really good. Yeah, if you like podcasts, you'll probably like audiobooks. I mean, I don't listen to a lot of audiobooks, but then I don't listen to that many podcasts either. But when I'm traveling, audiobooks and podcasts are the perfect solution. Because yeah. you're sitting there on a train or a bus and you don't want to read. Maybe because you get sick like Craig does, or maybe because you actually want to see the views like I do. And uh, if you've got something in your ears just to, to keep listening, then it can be a really good way of... Um, of keeping yourself entertained for hours and hours and hours and hours. <laughs> Definitely. Well, this week we're lucky enough to be speaking with Dave Hanegraaff, and uh, hopefully he'll be entertaining enough wherever you're traveling while listening to this. <laughs> um, Dave works at English Open Stores, which is a great opportunity to volunteer in Chile. Not only do they sort out health insurance, transport, a homestay, and other stuff like that, but they also give you a stipend, so you're actually getting money. You're not working as such, it's a voluntary thing, but you do get a bit of cash in hand. And uh, so that's great. It's an awesome chance to get paid to volunteer and in South America, which is obviously a really, really good choice for your travel destination. I might be slightly, you know, biased on that one. <laughs> yeah, I think you might be. Uh, we'll let Dave tell you more about the program and what his experiences were like while he was working with English Open Stores. 
Today I'm talking with Dave Hanegraaff, who is a volunteer at English Opens Doors or uh, La Programa Inglés Abre Puertas in uh, Chile. Dave, welcome onto the Indie Travel Podcast. Thanks for having me, Craig. I'm really excited about this opportunity to talk to you about the English Opens Doors program. Yeah, so it's something that uh, is pretty interesting because it's a chance for um, native English speakers to come into Chile and teach as volunteers, but also uh, get get paid to teach. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about it? Well, it's not actually a paying position as far as you get a salary. There's a lot of benefits that we offer volunteers, uh, such as they all, all volunteers live with a, a host family where obviously room and board are provided. And there's also an orientation in Santiago. The transportation from Santiago to your placement city is provided. There's an e-blended Spanish course that's in, uh, included as well, uh, as well as uh, health insurance. And as you mentioned, uh, the 60,000 Chilean peso uh, monthly volunteer bonus for every month of completed service that we provide. So while it's not a, a paying job, it's pretty unique in, in so far as volunteer opportunities go, which was what initially attracted me to this opportunity when I first came to Chile. Well, you first volunteered with the program in uh, 2010. Can you tell us a little bit about how you found it and uh, and what that first experience was like? Well, I had just gotten finished traveling around Europe with my girlfriend, and we were doing a thing called Help Exchange, which might also be of interest to your listeners if they don't already know about it, where you can – it's a, very similar to the Wolfing program. And so we were working throughout Europe together, and when we got back, it was that terrible feeling of, well, what, what do we do next? And so she went off to teach in Chile because she's an accredited teacher. And so she was working in an international school. And I started to look for different opportunities uh, all over the world. And I was quickly frustrated because everything that I wanted to do, it seemed like you had to pay to volunteer, which is an extremely frustrating concept to me. Uh, if, you, if you're going to be giving your time, at the very least, it should be for free without getting any benefits. Uh, but to have to pay to go and, and, and volunteer was something that st still to this day is, is fairly confusing to me. Uh, so I was looking everywhere on the Internet, and I found an ad on idealist.org for the English Open Stores program. And when I found it, I couldn't believe that, that you know, at, at the time when I applied, you had to pay a fee, but it was a small fee that was supposed to counteract your, your health insurance, which has now been done away with. So at this point, it's a completely fee-free program. But even when I applied, I couldn't believe that I think I paid $400 for the health insurance. And I was a volunteer for six months. And with all of the benefits you get and the opportunity to be immersed in the Chilean culture, it was I, I couldn't believe it. That's cool. And coming from um, from extended travels in Europe, what was it like flying into um, Santiago de Chile for the first time? Well, I actually flew into Lima, Peru, uh, and then traveled down. So I got to, to experience a little bit of the Chilean culture outside of Santiago. Uh, and then, you know, you see the, the big city, and that was great. It was I didn't really know what I was getting into, uh, to be honest. I didn't speak Spanish, uh, and I, I made the decision pretty quickly uh, after getting back from Europe. That's how all the but, best plans are made. Right? <laughs> and so it was, uh, you know, I figured I wanted to give teaching a hand, 
Uh, and I felt like this would be a great opportunity to get experience in the classroom without having a teaching certificate. Uh, I wanted to learn some Spanish. As I said, I came in with nothing uh, outside of hola and donde esta el baño, uh, stuff like that. And, you know, I felt like this would just be a great opportunity. But crossing into Chile, it was my first time in South America. I've been fortunate enough to travel all around the world, but never to South America. And so that was something pretty interesting for me because usually when you're traveling, uh, language isn't the biggest barrier. But here, especially in Chile, the, there isn't a whole lot of English that's being spoken, so you're automatically tested. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and the um, kind of, I guess, the, the reception and orientation you got, did that help you out in, uh, in the, the coming six months of, of volunteering? Absolutely. Uh, one of the best parts about the, the program is there's a week-long orientation beforehand, so you're not just thrown in cold water. Uh, you get here and you go through an orientation process, which really kind of explains what Chilean culture is all about, so you kind of have an idea going in, what to expect. Uh, there's tutorials on how to teach. I mean, it's by no means a TEFL training, which is why it's not certified, but... Uh, it's a crash course so that you're not just going in blind. And that really, really helped. So after the week-long orientation when we were with all the other volunteers, uh, you know, it's, it's a very different feeling when you get on that bus. I'd say less than 2% of volunteers actually volunteer in Santiago. So you're in cities and towns outside all throughout the country from Arica in the north to Punta Arenas in the south of Patagonia. Wow, where, where so did you, you end get up? on that bus? I I taught in Pangipui, a small town in the south of Chile, in the Los Rios region. Uh huh, that's crazy. What was it like? Um, yeah, getting off that bus and arriving there because that's pretty small down there. That, that's the the what did I get myself into moment? Um, <laughs> you know, it's it doesn't really seem that real when you're with all the other volunteers and. And the language issues aren't really that big of a deal because you're all speaking English and, you know, it's all hypothetical at that point. But when you get on the bus and, and you go down and, you know, it was an overnight bus, so I fell asleep and woke up and you wake up in, in what could be called real Chile, uh, which is everything outside of Santiago. And everything just looks different, especially in the south. Uh, you know, every everything is wooden. It kind of looks like a a small ski town or something. And yeah, you get off the bus and for us, our regional coordinators who work with the program were all there to, to greet us and we all got off sleepy eyed and then went in to meet our Chilean head teachers because all volunteers work with the Chilean head teacher. So the head teachers and the host families were all there to greet us. And that's when everybody gets ushered off into their separate groups and you get to know who you're going to be living with and working with for the next six to ten months. And and that's the, wow, uh, <laughs> this is really happening moment, which is simultaneously, you know, frightening and incredibly exciting. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about um, your kind of day-to-day -day work experience. What kind of duties were you doing and, and how did that kind of equate with the, the benefits that you felt you got out of it? Every day I woke up and uh, got ready with my 
my host family because my host mother and host brother, my host brother was one of my students and my host mother was an, another teacher at the school. So we all got ready together at the typical Chilean breakfast and then went into school. And the way that it works is volunteers are assistants to, to head teachers. So they're not really teaching the X and O's, if you, if you will, of, of English. They're more so uh, brought in to encourage the students and to motivate them to, to really speak English because it's not so much their skills but their listening and their, their ability to speak that are are really what they need to improve the most on. So volunteers work with speaking and listening skills more so. Hmm. Very cool. So it's uh, and, a lot of conversation or? It's a lot of conversation, a lot of singing, a lot of acting. It's it's a, a lot of fun. Uh you know that's that's also one of the the more beneficial aspects of the program. Not that it's all fun and games. There's a lot of planning and and a dedication that goes into it. Uh, but you're really there to to collaborate with what the Chilean head teacher is doing. So that comes in different forms. There's different models that the volunteer uh, teaching assistants and the head teachers use. But in my experience, a lot of it was just finding the way to to reach that particular class that you're working with, which depends because some volunteers teach uh, Basico, which is the Chilean equivalent of an elementary school. So kids ages 10 to 14, 15, and then other volunteers go into liceos, which is a, a high school or secondary school. And so they'll be teaching kids ages 14, 15 to 18, 19. And uh, so obviously that changes your style that you're going to go about with. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a lot of fun. I did a lot of karaoke with my students, uh, different activities, lots of games. And I mean, this was more often than not, volunteers are going to be the first foreigners that a lot of these students have ever come into contact with. So when you walk into the school, you're like a rock star. And, and that's a really uh, cool feeling. And it's it really allows you to, to reach the students because they're extremely interested in what you have to say and what you have to offer and it shows them that English really is something that's worth learning for them that's very cool now I'm sure a lot of people listening are thinking that sounds pretty good but the burning question is <laughs> do you get a, a chance to travel around are you working um, kind of Monday to Friday or do you get a uh, do you get some time off inside of your volunteer uh, program uh, it depends on when you come. There's there's holidays and whatnot, but usually volunteers are working Monday through Friday. In some regions, the volunteers only work Monday through Thursday. But even still, depending on where you are, uh, I mean, Chile is one of the most diverse countries in the world. Uh, so where I was in the Los Rios region, there were a million things to go see and do, whether it was climbing a volcano one weekend or you know, the next weekend going down to the island of Chiloé. So there's a lot of possible day trips on weekends. So you can travel while working at the same time. Uh, and then what happens usually is a lot of volunteers uh, after the program stay for an even longer time, which for me, after my six-month program ended, I wasn't ready to leave Chile. And so I found a job waiting tables at the small town that I was living in while I figured out the next step. And that, I mean... 
enabled to me to immerse myself in the culture even more. I mean, I had already become a fixture in the small town that I was in. Like I said, when I first found out that I was going to this small town in the middle of nowhere, I felt like it was a death sentence. Uh, I'm, I've never lived in a small town. I'm, I'm by no means a city boy, but I've never lived anywhere that didn't have a huge population. So 30,000, which is really, like I said, 15,000, because the other 15,000 of the listed population lived out in the countryside around the town and only really came in to, to buy groceries and do other things like that. So it was quite shocking for me initially, but it, after a couple of months, I realized it was the best thing that really could have happened to me because otherwise, you know, I really wouldn't have developed the, the connections with my community that I still maintain to this day. I mean, it's almost Christmas. I'm going to head down there for Christmas. And when I came back to visit for the first time, I mean, it's, it's like a Disney movie. Uh, with, <laughs> everybody's popping out of their stores and saying, how are you? I can't believe you came back. It's just... Or, or maybe a, a better comparison would be it's like The Simpsons where there's just one of each character and <laughs> that's how the towns run, which is unique, but it also makes it really fun to be a part of that community. That sounds cool. Well, tell us about the, uh, the application process. Um, who's, who's the program open to and uh, what do people have to do to get involved? The program is open to all native to near native English speakers, which means that you could be from Slovakia, but as long as you speak English at a near native level, which will be assessed during an interview, uh, you're free to join. And really the only requirement is that you're dedicated, uh, that you're serious about it and that you, you have a degree. We also maintain that volunteers have to have a degree to, to come. But outside of that, it's really uh, it's pretty much open to everybody as long as they're willing to, to come down here and, and are excited about the opportunities that await them. That's very cool. And it's a government program, so I'm imagining there's no problems with, uh, with visas? No, there's not. Um, there's, there's still a, con- a couple of countries that have to pay visa fees. But, for example, this year uh, we made an agreement with the, the embassy of New Zealand because it's got to be a bilateral agreement. And so the fee has been dropped for people from the United Kingdom, New Zealand, Australia, and there was never really a fee for the U.S. But that's a huge development for us because in the past it was very difficult for people from the United Kingdom, for example, to come because they had to pay a huge visa fee. And while we still had volunteers that came from the U.K., uh, it's a lot more accessible now. And we've seen enrollment increase uh, a lot. And it's also exciting this year because uh, we've gotten approval to bring in our, our biggest volunteer corps ever. So we're looking to bring in at least 400 volunteers for 2012. That's excellent. And hopefully with the addition of people from New Zealand, Australia, uh, we'll get there. We're excited about the diversity. That's cool. When do uh, people have to apply for, for the 2012 year? There are different uh, volunteer services. We call every group of uh, volunteers that come in part of a different volunteer service. So there's volunteer service one, two, three, four, five, and we're thinking about adding some other ones for 2012. Uh, And the earliest start date is February 27th, with the latest being July 23rd, and it could possibly go even to August. 
uh, for start dates. And all of the programs end either July 27th or November 30th with the option to extend. So you could come from for our volunteer service too from March 12th to July 27th and decide like I did that, you know what, I'm not really ready to leave Chile yet. And you could extend to November 30th. And there are some people who just keep extending. Uh, there was a guy who, who began his volunteer service with me in May 2010, and he's currently extending into his fourth uh, volunteer service. Oh, wow. So he, that's almost two years that he's been, and it will be close to three at the end of it. So That's pretty impressive. Well, Dave Hanegraaff, thanks for coming on to the show and telling us about English Opens Doors. Uh, what's the website that people should visit to, uh, to apply or get more information? For applications or information, you just have to visit www.centrodevoluntarios, which is .cl. And if you have any questions, voluntarios at mineduc.cl. Great. So I don't know we'll, how well that's going to translate. <laughs> we'll drop those URLs in the show notes at uh, indietravelpodcast.com so people can, uh, can have a look. Yeah, and also it's, it's just easy. You could do a, a quick and easy Google search for English Opens Doors program in Chile, which might actually be easier <laughs> than trying to, to come out with the, the actual URL. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Dave, thanks again for coming on the show and uh, look forward to hearing about a great 2012 from you. Thanks, Craig. It was great <laughs> talking to you. Thanks, Dave, for coming on to the show. It's really cool to hear about what's, what's available. Yeah, we've got it into the mix for a tiny little possibility of, of 2013, 2014 when we head back to South America. Oh, do we? Tiny. In Chile? Yeah, yeah. Craig hates Chile. No, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. This is a joke that's gone too far. <laughs> uh, what well, the 60,000 Chilean pesos a month sounds like big money, but it's around 115 US dollars or 75 uh, quid each month so it's either a really good beer budget um considering the price of beer in chile yeah very or expensive. uh it's enough to fund some weekend trips one thing to note that dave didn't mention i think the age limit is 18 to 35 uh there's more information on the website and we'll link to that on the travel podcast We've got a few cool volunteer ideas on the site now. Uh, a couple of months ago, we spoke about volunteering in Salta, Argentina. Uh, if volunteer travel is something you want to hear more about in the coming year, let us know, and we'll get more of that into the mix. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. I mean, I really like the idea of doing volunteer travel. Mm. We were looking into it to do more during our last South American trip, and I sent out a couple of requests, but I didn't hear anything back, so that was a bit strange. That was through HelpX or something like that. Yeah, it's... I mean, there's there's organizations like that that work as kind of middlemen, and then there's these big corporations that make tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars per program each year because you're paying so much to go and volunteer. So uh, we're always on the lookout for ways to, to do it without paying like 500 bucks a week for a program. Yeah. It's insane. I've seen a couple that are completely free. I've seen a couple where it's just kind of an administration fee, which I can perfectly That's, understand. Yeah, yeah. But I don't like the idea of paying heaps per month or per week unless it's like if, a two-week thing if, yeah if you're going for a week it's more of a holiday than a, a true volunteer program i Definitely. think Definitely. i mean i think volunteers for a week are more hassle than they're worth i mean you feel good about it and you are helping but you know your money probably goes more into the um goes further into the project than your time does mm. but if you're going for a long time i don't know i don't like the idea of paying so much for it 
what's happening for Indie Travel Podcast over Christmas and New Year's. Uh, we'll be eating and drinking too much, that is for sure. And hopefully we'll be spending a lot of time outside because it's it's summer, summer in inverted commas <laughs> at the moment because it's been absolutely shocking yeah, weather this week. so much rain. Um, but we've still got shows planned over the next few weeks, so if you get cool new gadgets for Christmas, you'll be able to load up Indie Travel Podcast and keep on getting your travel inspiration. If you want to meet other travellers, uh, if you have questions about what we've talked about or anything to do with travel in general, come to IndieTravelPodcast.com slash forums, get your free community account and join in the conversation. Yeah, it'll be uh, great to see you on there. Uh, you can help Indie Travel Podcast stay travelling by booking through us, so visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash flight slash hostels slash tours and slash insurance when booking your travels online. Uh, there's travel deals updating every day at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash deals as well. Also visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash books. We've got all sorts of books there, books for couples, uh, solo travellers, people going to Europe, uh, books to help you travel more and travel well. And there's more on the way, always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, working, working on them. Um, well, for some non-monetary ways of helping out, tell your friends about Indie Travel Podcast. Invite them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash travel, or leave a five-star review for us in iTunes. And if you don't want to give us money, then join our Kiva team and donate to the world. Yeah, that's at kiva.org slash team slash travel. We just went over 7,000 this yeah, week, didn't we? That's I, um, I posted on the Facebook group, actually, at the start of the uh, a few days ago that we'd gone over 7,000 US dollars loan. And um, I had a quick look today, and it was at seven thousand one hundred and seventy-five. Awesome. So, um, yeah, that's that's growing well. And there's only I think there's less than twenty of us in the group um, generating all of these loans. So come in and uh, plonk down twenty-five bucks to help an entrepreneur in another country. Yeah. Well, that's us for this week. Until next week, travel well.